get started, I want to remind you that next Sunday, no, several Sundays, October 31st, so that's like three Sundays away, because there's five of them, or two Sundays, it's October 31st, we're going to have Youth Sunday, and that will also be Barefoot Sunday, so you will wear a pair of shoes that you want to donate to our shoe donation project, and then when you come into church, uh, because of the youth, right, they, they get excited about this kind of thing. You take off your shoes, you put them in a box, and those shoes will be taken to somebody across seas or in a, in a place where they need shoes, and we worship barefoot. Uh, you don't have to participate, but uh, I encourage you to do so because all the cool people won't have shoes on um, that Sunday morning. Also, uh, don't forget about that, and our fall party, I believe, will be the 7th of November on Sunday. I, I may, uh, that may change, but um, that's what we're planning right now, and I don't have a location yet, but uh, soon, uh, by next Sunday, we'll know. And also, I would encourage you to be part of uh, Women on Faith, uh, women, women of Faith, so, because if it's half as good as uh, Men on Fire, then it's going to be a blessing. And I must confess, uh, my daughters sometimes be like, and my wife, why can't we come to Men on You guys do cool stuff like shoot. I'm like, man, you guys need to form your own women's group. Uh, because wanting to come and do the thing, I'm thinking to myself, they just form their group and they'll be alright. I'll, I'll never want to be part of their group. Like, I'm the better man, right? And then I hear you're doing baking stuff. I kind of want to go to that. I mean, I know how a bunch of church ladies uh, bake and how the food tastes. And I, can I show up for the end of that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Got it. So I uh, have to eat my words there. Um, I encourage you to do that. Well, um, let's pray, and then we'll get started in Acts. Uh, Father God, thank you for this time that we could focus on your word and we praise you, learn of your ways, and then Lord, give us the boldness to take them outside of these doors and put them into action. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to be working out of Acts chapter 23, Acts chapter 23 and into, <coughs> into uh, chapter 24. If you remember from last week, um, Paul has uh, divided the Pharisees. He was in the situation where um, he was in custody and they, they had him to uh, speak in front of the high priest and he called the high priest a whitewashed wall. That was a bad idea if you didn't want them to get angry at you because they became angry and uh, everybody was um, angry at Paul was not uh, uh, I, um, it was not a good deal for Paul right then. And then he was shrewd, like Scripture says, and he comes up with a plan and he brings up the resurrection of the dead, knowing that the crowd, half of them are Pharisees and half of them are Sadducees, knowing that the Sadducees uh, do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So Paul brings this up. The Pharisees and Sadducees are now um, arguing violently with each other and the interest is switched from Paul to each other. Paul does this and then um, to save Paul, the, the Romans snatch him up and they take him to the safe place, which in this case is jail. 
Paul is safest in custody. And that night, that night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Be encouraged. Because just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Today, from our scripture, this is the first point that I want to focus on. Be encouraged. So if we think about what's going on with Paul, it doesn't look so good. Paul is in jail. Now, I don't know if I don't know if you ever been in jail. Maybe some of you have been, um, but uh, I, and I can't say from uh, personal experience. But I think that's not a good place to be. Uh, it, I mean, you do get fed and free food, right? Uh, free rent. Um, I, the healthcare is pretty good in jail. I think I, I don't know that for sure. Again, never been there, but. Um, but it's not a good place to be. You're thinking about what you could be doing if you weren't in jail. And you've got a lot of time to think. You're worried about the guy who's in the cell with you beating you up. Or in Paul's case, uh, maybe you know he's worried about <coughs> the guards beating him up, which now they know is a Roman, <coughs> so that's less likely. But bad things happen in jail. He has a lot of time to think. Things look bleak. The Jews hate him. They want to kill him. And he keeps having to be rescued by the Roman soldiers. And then they put him in jail. He's in this desperate situation. Not looking good. But then God shows up. God appears to him that night and says, Be encouraged. To be encouraged is to inspire with courage, spirit, and hope. This is the definition of being encouraged. is to be inspired with courage, spirit, and hope. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, This is my command. This is God telling Joshua this. God says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God tells Paul to be encouraged. Same as in telling Joshua. To have courage because God is with him. Other translations say the Lord stood by him. God is standing by him. And Paul is inspired to be courageous because his hope is in the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking with him, giving him this courage, this, this hope that he can have. And so Paul is encouraged by God coming to him and God tells him what he must do. What he must do. Acts chapter 23 verse 11 tells him he must tell the Gentiles in Rome the good news. He must go to Rome to preach the good news. Paul needs courage to do this. How's he going to get there? 
what's it going to be like? Is it going to be the same same situation so far from town to town? Uh, Jews wanting to pull him to pieces. The Romans having to save him. What's going to happen? How's he going to get there? And is he going to get there in one piece? God says, this is what you must do, Paul. I will be with you. This gives him courage. You know, Matthew chapter 10 verses 16 through 19 we hear Jesus speaking to us and I want you to listen to this scripture look I am sending you out as sheep among wolves so be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves but beware for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers but this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me when you are arrested don't worry about how to respond or what to say God will give you the right words at the right time as we read through this scripture the likeness of what is going on with Paul is amazing Jesus tells his people us you and I and Paul be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. We see this happen with Paul. He is thinking, he's on his feet, using his mind the best that he can. Beware, we hand it over to the courts. This is happening to Paul right now. You'll be whipped, you'll be beaten, you'll stand trial, Jesus says, because you're my followers. And then you'll get the opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me and you'll be arrested. But don't worry. I'll be with you. This is, this is what Paul is going through right now. Uh, Jesus called it. Jesus told, tells us that this is what will happen. And I think it's important for us to know that God does not send you somewhere where He won't go with you. If God is sending you someplace, He will be there with you. You won't go alone. Deuteronomy chapter 31, uh, verse 6 says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. He's going to be with you through all of it. He won't abandon you. Strong. And courageous. Don't panic or be afraid. So God goes ahead of Paul and he makes a way to get Paul on his way to Rome despite the conspiracy to kill him. Like, and I have to tell you a little bit about this conspiracy. This is um, in Acts chapter 23, start, uh, verses 12 through 33. Um, there is a conspiracy to kill Paul, that doesn't surprise us, but it gets pretty deep here. Uh, the next morning, after God came to Paul, next morning, um, the Jews got together, a group of them, uh, 40 or more, it says. So maybe around uh, 50 of them got together and said, we will kill Paul no matter what, and we're not going to eat anything or drink anything until Paul is dead, until we have killed Paul. They make this conspiracy together. That's pretty serious. If 
decide that uh, you're not going to eat anything or drink anything until you've killed this man. And so they go to the high council, the, the high priest, and they, they tell the high priest, hey, uh, go to the, the commander and convince him to release Paul again so that we can question him again. And while he comes this way, we'll kill him. We'll stop him on the way there. And so, so they set out to do that. And um, thank goodness Paul has a nephew. Those of you who have nephews, um, they're a blessing. Because in this situation, Paul's nephew uh, spoke up. I didn't know Paul had a nephew until we read about it in Acts here. But he has a sister's son, uh, the scripture says. And he heard about the plan to kill Paul. And he goes to Paul in prison and he, and he tells Paul what's going on. Paul calls for one of the Roman officers. And he says, take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. And, and that happens. Uh, the the a soldier takes, takes the young man, Paul's nephew, to the commander. And uh, the commander... Uh, takes him aside says what's going on young man and young man says look uh, the Jews are plotting together they vowed not to eat or drink until Paul is dead and uh, Paul is in great danger they're going to ask him and uh, the, the commander says okay don't uh, don't tell anybody about this um, and decides how he's going to take care of it so God sent the young man to communicate the harm so that Paul would be able to do God's will by going to Rome. Uh, and then, this is really great, uh, what, what happens. Um, the application of this scripture for us is to uh, be encouraged. God will make a way for you to do what He tells you that you must do. He will make a way. What happened here? God was with the young man and the commander and here's what the commander did. Verse 23 says, The commander called two of his officers and ordered 200 soldiers to get ready to leave for Caesarea with 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops and provide forces for Paul to ride. And so this uh, armed force takes Paul on the road to get to the governor Felix. And, and they wrote a letter to him, to Felix, that this man was seized by some Jews and uh, they have, they have uh, plots to harm him and so this is why uh, I have an armed guard around him and, and they accuse him of this and that but it's nothing um, worth uh, imprisonment or death. And so Paul gets to the governor another step up to where God is wanting him to be and gets to uh, give his case there uh, under under guard. I mean, 200 spearmen. This is a this is a prisoner. They're guarding a prisoner with 200 spearmen. God has a plan for Paul, a great plan, and it's for him to get to Rome. Be encouraged. If God wants you to go somewhere, He will allow that and make sure that it happens. He will go with you. Be encouraged. Our next point 
is to examine the truth. Verse 8 of chapter 24 says, You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. This is what's said uh, when Paul finally arrives to uh, Governor Felix and appears before him. Now, uh, before we get into what is actually presented in this case, uh, let me just mention to you flattery and li- flattery and lies. This is used by Satan. This is the devil, the devil's ways. John chapter eight. Verse 44 tells us about the devil. It says he was a murderer from the beginning. He was he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and is the father of lies. The things that come out of the devil's mouth when he is attacking you are lies. This is his way. Flattery and lies. And so, when Paul presents his case in front of the, the council at Fe- with Felix there, he comes to them, and the Jews make it there with a lawyer. The lawyer's name is Tertullus, I guess is how you pronounce it. And this lawyer is known to be a good lawyer. He's good at what he does. He's a good orator. And that's why they chose him. And he says some pretty fluffy words to Governor Felix. He says, You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews, and with foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you. But I don't want to bore you, so please give your attention to me only for... A moment. The lawyer is trying to flatter Governor Phoenix. He's really laying it on rich. And he knows how to do this. And we see Satan using lies in the same way towards us. Lies. The lies that are said continue with verse 5 of chapter 24. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. Lies. Lies. Um, You notice here, it says uh, he's been a troublemaker. Man, he's always stirring up riots. He's a ringleader of a cult. He was trying to desecrate the temple. We don't read any of that in, in the account of what Paul is doing. He's not trying to destroy the temple. And if you're looking in your Bibles, you'll know that uh, you'll notice that it goes from uh, verse six to verse eight. <clears throat> There's no verse seven there. That's because it was such a dirty lie that God decided not to put it in the Scripture. No, that's not true. Ah. Uh, the reason that verse seven is there is, is not there is because it's not found in all the all the copies of the original manuscripts. So, um, which should be good for you to know as far as the accountability of the scripture. Uh, God has inspired it, and uh, our folks have put it together according to 
so here we have the lies that the, the uh, lawyer is feeding the governor and trying to tell him flattery. You know, Charles Spurgeon says, Satan has studied mankind very thoroughly and knows all of our weak points. Satan knows every one of our weak points. He studies us. And boy, it doesn't do very good for us to argue with him. He is witty. He's, how many of you guys study Satan? Like, we don't study Satan to try to figure him out. He studies us because his one and only desire is to get us to trip up and fall for his trap. So, we're not a match for him in an argument unless we are using God's word. And then Satan cannot, cannot hold a match to that. Uh, we know that uh, when we use Scripture... Just like the Brians did. The Brians took everything to Scripture. Then Satan has to turn away. Remember when, when Jesus was in the wilderness. We discussed this uh, in Sunday school this morning. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted, uh, Satan comes to him. And Satan tries to flatter him and feeds him lies. Jesus has been fasting. And so he's probably hungry. And Satan says, look at these stones right here. You can, you can turn them into bread and eat them and be satisfied. And uh, Jesus says, Scripture says, man does not live on bread alone, but also the word of the Lord. And then Satan tries again <clears throat> to tell him his lies. Uh, Satan lies to him. He's, he takes him up on the high spot and says, look, throw yourself down from here, from the top of the temple, um, and uh, the angels, for Scripture says, the angels will carry you down, will, will not let you be harmed. And Jesus says, you're, you're not right, Satan. Uh, the Scripture says, don't test the Lord your God. Don't test Him. And again, the third time, uh, Satan says to Jesus, Worship me and I'll give you everything that you can see from the top of this mound. Everything you can see, you can have if you worship me. And Jesus says, Go away, Satan. For the Scriptures say, Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Only Him. Jesus treats Satan as a real, actual enemy. And that's because He is. He was there, and Jesus was addressing him face to face, and we must do that in our lives, because lies come from Satan, and the truth does not. Truth comes from our God. Satan is real enemy. So let's talk about the other side of that. The flattery and lies are the devil's tool, and this is what he uses against us. So what is the truth? Uh, the scripture said, if you, you can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. This is what the, the lawyer said. Talk to Paul yourself. You know, if you examined Paul objectively, then you would find the truth. If you were uh, examining him correctly and objectively, you would find that the truth is inside of him. Paul testifies that he is a sinner who once fought against the way. We remember this from 
his testimony that he gave. Uh, but he had an encounter with Jesus, and now he has placed his faith in Jesus to grant him life after death by forgiving Paul of his sins through Jesus' blood sacrifice on the cross. The truth is that now Christ lives with Paul. And that truth is living inside of Paul and the things he says and the things he does. John chapter 14, verse 6, we know this scripture is, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. The truth, and he lives in Paul now, and Paul clearly testifies this. This is the truth. It's what we use up against the devil. God's truth. And the devil has no choice but to turn and go away. Our application for the second point examine the truth is to examine ourselves to look to ourselves through God's lens by the way we look through God's lens does Christ live in you 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 13 verse 5 says examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine test yourselves Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. We can't afford to fake our way through life. Can't afford that. It's worthless to play religion. God's grace in Christ and Jesus is what counts. So we got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to ask ourselves, does Jesus really live inside of me because I've received Him by faith? And if He doesn't, you have a decision to make, or if He hasn't, do you have a decision to make right then? Will I receive Him? We have to evaluate our actions. And we can't do this by comparing ourselves with others. Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 through 5 tells us to pay careful attention to your work, to your own work, or then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. For our own conduct. Sometimes we get caught up comparing ourselves with others in the kind of jobs they do and the kind of job we should do because of them, based on them, and we get in a rut of comparing ourselves to others. The scripture says, pay careful attention to your own work. To your own work. We have to evaluate if our actions align with our professions. Do our actions align with our professions? So if we say we believe we are forgiven, are we walking around hanging our head like we are condemned? Or are we praising God with shouts of joy for His mercy and our second chance? Because if we have given our faith to Jesus, then we are forgiven. Then my vote is we should be walking around praising God with shouts of joy. And if we say we believe that Christ gives us victory over sin, 
are we still wearing the shackles or have we thrown them off? Are we saying no to the lies and temptations? We know that the devil delivers to us. If we say our hope is in heaven, are we consumed with worry about the trials and struggles of this life? Or are we enduring them with confidence, knowing that these uh, light and momentary troubles are worth nothing considering the glory that awaits us in eternity. If you were accused of being a Christian, let's put it this way. If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you be found innocent of all charges? I hope your answer to that is, I would be found guilty. I'm encouraged because I know that God is with me and the truth is that He loves me. We can be encouraged because God is with us and we can know the truth because He lives in us. Every day, we are building our case. We are working towards the ruler of all rulers. Paul was on his way to see the ruler of Rome, the emperor. He knew that God's plan was for him to bring the good news to Rome and to the ruler there. It was the best way to do it. And he was working his way up there. God was providing a way. We are working through our life, working towards the ruler of all rulers, who is God. He will examine us. And He'll know if the truth is in us or not. This will determine our verdict. Let's pray. Father God, I pray to You now. Lord, that You would guide us in all truth. We would be able to do battle using Your Word. God, that we would be encouraged because You are with us.